Janice T. How are ye? Welcome to the Candle of Tales podcast and this year's Samhain specials. In this episode, Aaron is telling the story of the Awartok. Listen back to our previous Samhain stories to get in the mood for Halloween and subscribe on YouTube where you can see these tales in a playlist. This podcast is brought to you by our supporters at Patreon. You can join them over at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales. Check out our website, candlelittales.ie, to see our upcoming shows in Trim, the Harbour Bar, and an extra date added for the Puka Festival. For more details on our workshops and the trainings we have on offer, including our brand new year-long course, Turning the Wheel of the Year, starting in November, with only a few spots left, DM or email us for the course outline. Like, share, comment, subscribe, and above all, enjoy. And for now, Aaron, tell us a story. A long time ago, there was a small man, a chieftain's son, who became a chieftain himself. Small of stature, but evil in heart. He was known for being cruel. He was from a place with hard rocks, hard peaks, tall mountains, rugged landscapes in the north of Ireland, where Errigal stands pointed peak, pointed to the sky. All of the harshness of the landscape was echoed in this young chieftain's heart. Harshness was the way he was brought up, and harshness was the way he ruled. Avertuk was his name, and he was small of stature, always never able to compete with those bigger and broader and more muscular, and yet he had a way of instilling fear amongst those around him. People whispered and worried how it was that when he walked into a room, everyone seemed to have a weight on their chest. It seemed he imposed himself upon the people around him no matter what. Small of stature, grim eyes, a hard look, firm and fierce and cruel. There was no kindness in Avertok's heart. And yet, to rule to remain chieftain, he would have to marry. Who would agree to marry this man? A chieftain though he was, couldn't simply demand a woman to marry him. And so the hard look in his eyes had to be softened and disguise placed over them as he met with suitors. It was a political arrangement, of course, and there was an agreement made, handshakes and money-passing hands. But he still put on a good show. He greeted his bride-to-be kindness, a smile that didn't quite meet his eyes. Offerings, a feast, a great banquet was held. He talked to his bride-to-be about the rumours that people spoke behind his back. He knew such rumours. It couldn't be true, of course, his cold eyes meeting hers. A look of surprise in her face, as if she thought he would never bring up the rumours 
the rumours that spoke of his dark deeds, a pact he had made as a young man, to evil spirits, gods of old, creatures in the dark depths of the lakes. Perhaps this pact was the reason he held so much power, so much cruelty. He seemed to bleed it from a people, their life source being sucked dry by his very presence. And yet, he was kind to his bride-to-be, until she became his bride, and then the disguise was dropped. Avertok was cruel, unkind, not soft at all. And yet he was married now when he demanded of his wife the pleasures of her flesh. He was not overly cautious, though. He didn't really understand the ways of womanhood and how a woman's mind might work. And so when she closed herself off to him, he suspected betrayal. He demanded his guards keep a close watch on her. He was suspecting every muscle-bound man that came into her presence was someone who was cheating on him with her. He decided to find out for once and for all. One dark night, the moon has slit in the sky. Dark clouds were above, a wind blowing, and in his keep, amongst the stony rocks down below, He looked out the window, across the landscape, barren, cruel and harsh. He crept along the windowsill, outside, to see if he could get from his chamber, across the wall to peer in the window to his wife to find her and catch her in her adulterous act. He almost was hoping he would see it. He was looking forward to the vengeance he could display, wondering how many limbs he would cut from those that were in the room he would spy on. Perhaps he'd hang a head outside the gate's wall of the man who dared to cross him in his home. What devilish thing could he concoct as a punishment for his wife for being so cruel, but as these thoughts went round his head, he fell and slipped, and falling down, he crashed to the rocks below. He was dead. They all saw it. People cried. The thud on the rocks below got the attention of those coming around, and they saw his maimed and mutilated body from the drop. He hit the ground so hard, blood spattering around. He was nonetheless the chieftain, and so he was due a good burial. And so, they brought him to Slachtavarty, a field where he would be buried, standing up as was custom of the time, like any chieftain, given his weaponry, his fine clothes, buried standing and they were relieved to see him put in the ground. They were relieved, and so was his wife, for finally the cruelty of Avertuk 
could be placed at rest. No one would be abused by his ruling. His hard touch would not come close to his wife anymore. His harsh words would not flick off the ears of those who was under his command. He would finally stop tormenting the people he ruled. Or so they thought. For the following night, the gatekeeper was shocked to see the stature of a small man around the same size of their chieftain who had died the day before, limping and walking, pale and ashen, covered in blood, body still maimed and broken, but his eyes, his cruel eyes still leering. And he demanded the gates be opened. Avertuk was walking straight through and into the whole hall where all of his people were. They were shocked to see him. The banquet stopped. The near celebrations that were going on for his death were cut dry. He placed himself at the top of the banquet table and there, instead of asking for food and for drink, he told all of the people to make a cut on their hands and pour water into a bowl Everyone in the hall was ordered to do this gruesome task, to pour their own blood into a bowl, and they were shocked to see Avertuk drink this blood, and the weight on their chest as they saw him drink their life essence, their blood, became heavy, and so the rumours seemed confirmed. He was drinking their life source, their blood, to renew and bring him back and he seemed to have a flash of colour across his skin he stood up straight and tall and cracking his bones seemed to be renewed the small man was back in the throne but now even more devastating was his rule he was even crueler to those who came in contact with him ordering those around him, abusing his power, striking anyone who came close enough to him. And so, a small group conspired to have him killed. They weren't sure who could do the deed, and so they asked a great warrior, a local chieftain, one from over the hills. Cahan was his name. And so Cahan came, and he was asked and begged to slay Avertuk. So, this grey warrior, he obliged. He came one night to the sleeping bed of Avertuk, opened the door very quietly and crept across the threshold. When Avertuk woke up and his harsh, beady eyes and pale skin looked at him, then Cahan drove a sword straight through his heart. He was dead for the second time, and for the second time he was buried in the same place, slapped poverty. But still, custom held that he would be buried standing up with the wound of his heart gaping wide. No one suspected he could 
ever possibly bring himself back. But once more the day went into night, the sun set, and in the darkened hour they saw a strange figure walking towards the gates, limping, covered in dirt, his finger nails, disgusting after digging himself out, mud and blood mixed around a gaping wound in his chest, his darkened, hollowed eyes peering at those around him, and he demanded blood from every one of them to be poured into a bowl and once more he drank it full. He renewed him of sorts and those cowered back, worried, confused, in utter fear of Avertuk and his deadly magic. They couldn't go, they couldn't escape, they were under his control. They seemed to not have their own will, only able to pour the blood into the bowl to feed his insatiable appetite. And so they sent for Cahan once more. And this time, he came barging through the gates, rode up on his horse, leaping off. He drove his sword through his stomach, impaling him, picking him up and driving him out of the gates of his fortress. Now when they buried him again, standing up, in Slakdavarty, once more you can see how this tale went. He came back the third time, this time with a gaping wound in his belly, his chest still open, his bones still mangled, his eyes still hard and cold, pale and asking everyone for their blood to be drained. Once they were drained, once he was satiated. Once he drank the blood, he seemed to be renewed once more. He continued his hard, cold ruling in this hard, cold landscape. But Cahan would not come back, not straight away. He knew that this chieftain had otherworldly magic. Perhaps it was a pact with a deity of old. One of the two a day, long forgotten, beneath the hills, offering power for those who would offer tribute. Perhaps it was one of the pastes he was keeping alive, having a pact with this serpent under the waves, under the waters. Perhaps it was something otherworldly entirely. He did not know. And so he went to find one who would know. A wise druid who lived out in the high hills of the lonely cold places in north of Ireland. This man had lived isolated and alone, tapping into the old customs, the old ways. And he knew when he heard this tale of Avertuk. This was one of the Nyaumarav. The Walking Dead. The Nyamarov, he told him, could not be killed easily. Only with a sword made from a yew tree. With the old sacred tree with this wood. And striking Avertuk, this would not keep him in the ground, but it would 
seriously hinder his chances of bringing himself back. He would have to follow his instructions very carefully. So Cahorn memorized the instructions of how to bury Averduck. He had a sword made from a yew branch he cut down himself. To make sure this was followed through, he watched the sword being made, the handle made from the branch of the tree he cut himself. The yew tree was strong, and strong too was the blade and the metal, forged, sharpened, and ready to cut. So the following night, when the sword was ready, he took the handle of the yew and went to Avertuk's home. He faced the small wizened man, dark eyes, pale skin, demanding everyone still feed him full of the blood that beat around their bodies. All of his servants, all of his people under his command were ashen and grey, barely able to stand, weak and withered away, but Cahorn would not let this go. And so he took out the U-sword, and he struck Avertok as he came towards him, struck him down. He picked the body up, and he brought him to Slok and there he followed the druid's instructions. He buried him upside down, head first into a deep grave. And on top of the grave, once he filled it in, a huge standing stone was placed. Everyone had to heave and pull and push. And the branches of Hawthorne and you and Elder were scattered around this great standing stone to sap the strength from Overduck so he would not be able to stand and pull himself out of the grave. The Nyaomarov may live as much as he likes underground, under the rock, beneath the sacred branches. And from these branches, the hawthorn tree did grow. And a ring grew around them and many people knew for a very long time to leave those trees alone for fear of releasing Overtuck, the walking dead. But as time distorts the stories, people forgot. People stopped paying attention, and people began to cut down the trees in Slachtoverty. The foolish ones who did this, well, they may not have known what they were doing, but perhaps they were giving strength back to Avertuk. Still a stone is there in Slakdavarty, and still, today, there is one hawthorn tree above the grave, near Garav, in County Down in the north of Ireland. And some say... The tree was tried to be cut down, but the chainsaw broke. The stone was tried to pull away, but the chains around that were wrapped, they broke too. Perhaps the druids who had helped Cahan bury Avertuk, perhaps their magic is holding it there. Perhaps.
perhaps our thug is already gotten out. Either way, you can still go to the grave today if you're brave enough. <laughs>